Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. All right, well, this is the last Sunday in February, and I just want to welcome you to the Church of Omaha. Joseph and Emily, your family's here. We're going to have a baby dedication later. Actually, we're going to dedicate three. Exciting. Um, if you will turn, and I have a couple scriptures I could highlight to start with, but Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 10. And then you can flip over to 2 Corinthians and chapter 6 and verse 17. So Acts chapter 10 says, verse 13 says, And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice spake again unto him a second time, What God hath cleansed, that call not thou common. And then in 2 Corinthians verse 17, chapter 6, verse 17, it says, Wherefore come out from among them, and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Lord Jesus, I ask you to speak to us today. Let your word go forth, God. God, encourage us, God. Uh, propel us closer to you. May we become more like you. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, um, the very first passage I read is in Acts chapter 10, and, and uh, I'll just kind of briefly highlight this story, and then we'll come back to it at the end. But uh, Peter here, um, he's the preacher now. And so if you're familiar with the book of Acts, or we like to say the Acts of the Apostles, um, I heard the other day someone said we really should define it as the Acts of the Holy Spirit. It's the Spirit of God working in the church and working in people. But Peter here, he's preached the message. People had asked him, they said, what must we do to be saved? And in doing so, he preached to them about how we need to get down and repent. And Lord Jesus, I'm sorry for my sins and I want to change. And, and that we need to be baptized in the name of Jesus. And while as I always find it a little bit crazy as I talk about it because I'm like, who would have ever thought there is no scientific a thing where they would say, hey, go down in the water and something will happen to you spiritually. But like I like to tell the kids, it's the best bath you'll ever have because there's something about when you go down trusting Jesus and you say his name is called out over you. You come out of that water and you're like, man, what happened? And you have such liberty and, and you can't explain it, but you know it's real. You know it's real, and so you want everyone to come. And so Peter had preached this message, and he said, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's just Jesus, the Spirit of Jesus living in you. Isn't that exciting? I know we talked about it last week, but the, the God of all things is like, oh, I want to live inside of you. I want to be in you. And So Peter, we have it here. He, he preached that message, and you know, I liken it a little bit to our, our Declaration of Independence. All men are created equal. And the words are so true, and the people who wrote that at the time still embraced slavery and didn't treat everybody right, but yet they wrote words that were true. Well, Peter, he preaches the message, and he said, the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off. And then he kind of like was good with the Gentiles not having it. <laughs> like, really? And so that's the passage here is Peter, he's, he's on the rooftop, and I guess I should explain that a little bit for 
they had these, I like to think of them as big square houses and, and they would have big flat roofs and I'm thankful that I do not have a flat roof because I do not know what it would be like to try to keep the rain out. We had some flat roofs over here and they leak, but in the, uh, uh, the climate there and given what they had for technology, they built flat roofs. And, and so uh, you could go up on the uh, flat roof and, and be out there in the cool of the evening and do some things up there. And Peter, he climbed up there and, and he was praying away. And he fell asleep. So how many of you fell asleep praying? It's like this. Oh, Lord, why did I get up at five for? <laughs> I thought I was trying this thing out, right? And you fall asleep. And you're giving God your best, right? <laughs> um, yeah, I've fallen asleep a couple times. And so Peter, he's up there praying. And he goes, it falls into a trance and and there came a voice to him that said, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. And what he had presented to him, and here's, here's another interesting thing. Just because Peter had walked with Jesus for three and a half years, and he had preached the message, and he was sharing the gospel, he still didn't have quite a full grasp of what all was go- God was doing away with, what all God had fulfilled in the Old Testament, and the new thing that God was doing. And so God comes and He tells him, hey, Peter, and He gives him these animals that are unclean animals. Like, hey, there's a pig out there. Peter's like, that is wrong. I'm not allowed to eat pork. I can't do that. And, And the voice of God is coming in and saying, rise, Peter, kill and eat. And He's like, that violates your word. And I'm going to tell you today that God is never going to put you in a position where He's going to require you to violate the word. And so you say, well, wait a second. If, he's, if God's not going to put you in a position to violate the Word, then what's going on here? God was completing the Word. And He was letting him know, hey, when I died on the cross, some things changed here. And what I want you to know, Peter, is that these people over here that you viewed as common or unclean, I am going to cleanse them. They are going to be my people. This is going, this gospel, this work that I want to do, this Jesus Christ living in you is available to everyone. Hallelujah. Can we give the Lord a hand clap? It's available to everybody. Oh, and God was saying, Peter, I, I want to do this. Oh, Brother Keith, he was saying, I want to do it for a Keith who's never been born, who's going to live in some place called the United States of America. He was calling out to all of our situations. And he said, what God hath cleansed, that call call not thou common. So Peter, he obeyed. There was a knock at the door. There were some gentlemen that showed up, and he went with them, and he went to a man's house called Cornelius. The centurion of the band called the Italian band. That was not a music group. That was a, a military man. And, uh, and so he went there and he began to tell him the story. And he began to preach just to share the word. And there is something exciting about when you begin to share the word of God. As you begin to share the word and you begin to connect with other people... You're going to, God descends down into that place. I'm throwing stuff on the floor. Uh, God descends down into the place and he moves because his word's alive, because he's in his word. And so Peter's preaching away and he's, he's telling him and he's like, hey, so here's what we got going on here. And, and I perceive and, and all of a sudden 
the Spirit of God sweeps in and all these people are filled with His Spirit and the people standing around are like, wait a second. And you know what happened? They begin to speak in another language. And why was that important? It's because Peter and those Jews with him didn't just think, wow, somebody had a good display over here. Oh, alright, wow, it looks like they, they seem very emotional. No, what it, what, why it was important is because they could identify without a doubt that what you just experienced is how I experienced it and how they experienced it. You see, God didn't leave any question out there that you would wonder, did I just have a good feeling? Or did I have the same experience that Peter, James, and John had? Also, God's letting them know, hey... This isn't just your thing, Peter, or just the Jewish people's, as we've already talked about. And, you know, and you see someone come in and you see their lives, and, and maybe you've got it all together. Maybe you've always had it together, and, and you've got quite the wealth, and you've got the, the smarts, and you've got the brains, and somebody comes through and you're like, I don't think they quite got all the brains, and they don't really have it all together, and, and wow, look how their lives messed up, and... and uh, Jesus sweeps in and fills them with His Spirit. And He's saying, I want to dwell on the throne of their heart just like I dwell on yours. They mean as much to me as you mean to me. Oh, the wonders and glory of Jesus Christ. I knew a gentleman here, and he was beside himself. He's like, I went to tell God I'm sorry for all the drugs that I'd been doing the night before. And and he said, I was crying out to God, and I'm sitting there in the grass, and I'm crying out to God. And I just have a question, Lucas. Why do I feel so good right now? Why did I feel so good? He was upset. He said, why would God let me feel so good when I had been so bad? I tried to tell him. Some of you know this story. So I tried to tell him. But I couldn't even say words, Lucas. I sounded like a baby. My words came out, but they weren't words. They were like baby talk. I have to admit, I was like, I wonder if he was still on his drugs. But as we begin to talk to him, we begin to realize God had filled him with his spirit. He, God was like, I know what you were doing just the night before. I know how you've just come to your senses. But it, you don't need to go and get cleaned up and put on fresh clothes and, and get back into a house. You don't need to get your life together. I'm going to put your life together. Oh, you're crying out to me. And he would come in and he would sit against that back wall there on a Tuesday night during family prayer. And, and, and he would just be talking away in a heavenly language to God. And he didn't need to know. And we need to be led and guided into all truth and go through this book. I'm not saying that. But he didn't need to... Oh, wow, I understand all that. Now I can have Jesus. No, He just needed to say, Jesus, I'm sorry. And Jesus swept in. What God hath cleansed, call thou not thou common. And so that brings us to the book of Leviticus. Uh, I don't know if you guys have been enjoying the book of Leviticus. But, uh, the book of Leviticus, and, and chapters... Uh, 16 through 27, right in there. I kinda, I'm not going to read all of them today. Um, I don't know if you guys wanted to, but if you flip through there, you will find a lot of interesting things. You will find about holy, holy, holy. So these are referred to as the, the holiness chapters or the holiness code. And you will find about 
don't cut the corners of your beard. We are not teaching and preaching that today. So if you have a beard, mustache, we're not going to tell you don't cut the corners of your beard. We're all good. Um, and, uh, and you find out about sacred, or you find out about holiness, and you find out about the profane. And I did want to highlight some verses. Leviticus chapter 21, and we'll get back to the book of Acts later. But Leviticus chapter 21, and I was looking at some of these in verse 21. Or verse 18, um, while you're turning there. But the whole cutting of the corners and the beards, and you, and, and you go through this, and leaving some goods on the edge of your property, some crops here so, so someone else can gather in, and, and you read these things, and you're like, really? Like, how is this even apply to me today? And you read through the holiness code, and you read through the profane, and, and, and I want to just highlight a few things here. Well, one, I want to highlight about the whole cutting of the corners in the garments, and what is something that you, in reading Leviticus, could have drawn out of that? And it literally is, don't cut corners. And you're like, hold on a second, you're trying to tell me, because he said, don't do this to your garment, that I shouldn't cut corners? What I want to try to tell you today, or what I want to tell you, is that God is very exacting in detail, and he has requirements in your life, and he came down and he didn't say, hey, high priest, if you feel like that you wouldn't like to have the corner of your beard cut, then don't cut the corner of your beard. But if you're not buying what I'm saying, okay, well, what's your opinion? No, when God has a requirement, He wants you to follow it. So don't try to short-circuit Christianity. Don't try to, 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 to get around it. Well, I can forgive this one, but I'm not going to forgive that one over here. You know, they did me too much wrong. When God says He wants you to forgive, He wants you to forgive. When He tells you to, to check your thoughts, He doesn't mean check your thoughts only if that's a thought that you already decided you didn't want to have. When He says, be holy for I'm holy, we need to begin to say, God, what are your holy characteristics? I want to do those things. You know, this is about a growing process. It's about being led and guided into all truth and and so we would read through the Old Testament, we'd see all this exacting detail. We get into the New Testament, and we see that God reaches into those details, and then He begins to apply them to be greater. So, so He talks about adultery. He talks about fornication, Jesus does. And then He says, hey, He's talking to some men. He says, hey, if you look at her and you think thoughts, it's as if you did it. He's called us to a higher level. Now, don't, don't get scared on me, because He's going to give you power. And you're going to find that when you're walking and living in the joy and peace of Jesus Christ, that, that when you get free from this stuff that's been trying to attach itself to you and you get away from it, that you're walking with Him, that, that suddenly you're focused on loving Him and living the way He wants, you're going to realize, well, I haven't been doing that stuff anymore. You know what? I haven't fought those thoughts. I finally got free of whatever that is. And that's an exciting thing. And you can do that through the power of Jesus Christ. Because it's about living for Him, not really so much about not living that way. Now we do come out, and we must come out. But we're also called to do. And i got to be careful here, I'm going to mess up some notes. Um, I think I already have. But we look here in Leviticus, and it says, For who, whatsoever man he be that hath a blemish, he shall not approach. 
a blind man or a lame or he that hath a flat nose or anything superfluous or a man that is broken-footed or broken-handed or a crockback or a dwarf or a blemish in his eye or scurvy or scabbed or, or um, let's see, let's see, no man that hath a blemish of the seed of the Aaron of the priest shall, of Aaron the priest shall come nigh to the offerings of the Lord made by fire. He hath a blemish and he shall not come nigh to offer the bread of his God. He shall eat the bread of his God, both of the most holy and of the holy. Only he shall not go into the veil, nor come nigh unto the altar, because he hath a blemish, that he profane not my sanctuaries, for I, the Lord, do sanctify them. We'll flip over to chapter 22. Here it says in verse 1, And the Lord spake unto Moses, Speak unto Aaron and to his sons, that they separate themselves from the holy things of the children of Israel, and that they profane not my holy name in those things which they hallow unto me. I am the Lord. And down there at the near the end here of this chapter of chapter 22, verse 32, it says, Neither shall ye profane my holy name, but I will be hallowed among the children of Israel. I am the Lord which hallow you, that brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord. I am the Lord. And then in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, Verse 14, it says, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? So this whole, I read these verses here in Leviticus, and I read them intentionally, the broken-footed, the the one with an issue here and one with an issue there. And, and he says, hey, if you've come in contact here, if you have this blemish or if you have this situation, you can't be coming into the holy place. You can't, there's some things you cannot do because you're going to profane my temple. Now that word profane immediately makes me think of profanity. And I think of something very bad. So does anybody out here know what profane is today? That word profane is the common, ordinary, everyday life. And so we talk about the sacred and the profane, or, or we and we talk about the holy. And you see, the Sabbath day is a great example of this, because on the Sabbath day, it was a separated day. And you weren't supposed to treat that Sabbath day like any other day. You weren't supposed to cook on that day. You weren't supposed to work on that day. You were supposed to set aside a part of your life just for God, and there were strict rules in the Old Testament about it. Now, I know it's not the same today as back then, but we can draw a lesson from this because the profane desecrated the temple of God. When the children of Israel decided they were going to treat the things of God the way they treated the rest of their life, they were desecrating the presence of God. You were not to treat the Sabbath day like you did on Friday, or on, we'll say Wednesday. Wednesday, I don't want to get Friday evening and Saturday morning all that mixed up here, but you were not supposed to, to do that. So if you were like, hey, you know, I'm working in the field, and oh yeah, let me stop in, and I'll give a thank you Jesus over here, and, and now I'm going to go back to working and sweating. God was saying, hold on, hold on. I'm something special. You don't treat me like you treat the person at work. You don't treat me like you treat your job. 
I'm not on equal footing here. I'm to be elevated. And when you approach me, you need to have everything in order. We got to get rid of some spots and some blemishes. We got to get rid of some sins in your life. Not just some, it was all sins. When you've seen a sacrifice, it was examined, it was studied. It was set aside. They would look at it. They would come back the next day and look at it. It was inspected. Why? It was because it was not an ordinary animal. It was being dedicated for a specific purpose for God. And so in our lives, you know, we come to church on Sunday. And we get together. Why are we coming here? Why did I put on a suit today? I promise you I try not to wear a suit during the week if I can help it. Um, <laughs> With coronavirus and working a lot at home, I've been embracing jeans and t-shirts and doing what I can to be more relaxed. Why? Because I just want to be relaxed. But why did I put on a suit today? It's because I'm saying, hold on a second. You know what? I'm doing something that's a little more special in my life. This isn't just an ordinary moment. I'm getting together with the people of God. We're, we're going to get together and we're going to worship Jesus Christ. My, my life is... is the, it, He's special, and I'm not going to just do things the way I do every other day of the week. We've set apart things here. Um, this, this building, this, this sanctuary right here. Now, we could have church anywhere. We could go right down here, and we could go to the movie theater, and we could rent out the, the movie hall, and we could uh, have church there. And when it was over, that room could be used to watch a movie. I was at a church in in Illinois, and they've outgrown their sanctuary, and so they, they've moved into their basketball gym. And when they're done having church, they can move those chairs to the side, and they can play a game of basketball. And I'm okay with that. But when we had an opportunity to say, you know what, we have a room that we're setting to the side. And this room, for most weeks, has somebody preach on it, this time of day, and on Wednesday. And all those other days of the week, some folks come in and they pray in this room. But this room is a place where predominantly prayer, um, preaching, and lives are dedicated to God. We dedicate children here to God. We marry people here. But what are we doing when we marry people? We're bringing a marriage together under Jesus Christ. People are baptized in the name of Jesus as they, they begin to walk, and walk in newness of life. And it's in this place, we've set it apart. We've said, hey, we have a specific place. It's just made out of sheetrock. It's just got paint on the walls. It's just got some regular tiles. But we came together and said, this is a sanctified, holy place. Now that doesn't mean we can't have church in all those other places. And it doesn't mean we shouldn't have church in our home. But what we're trying to tell God is He's not just something else in our life. But He's something special to us. We've elevated Him. So let's bring that a little bit further. Because you are a chosen generation. Peter says it in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. It says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood and a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of Him who hath called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. What do we get gather out of that? There's a principle in the Bible, and that is when He filled you with His Spirit, you're His 24-7. Ouch! That means I can't live different on Tuesday than I do on Sunday? Well, I get it. We're not in church normally here on Tuesday. And I wear jeans on Tuesday if I can help it. But suddenly my life and how I behave is required to be different. 
That's why I brought out uh, Peter here. Because God wasn't saying, everything now is common. Oh, Peter, everything's changed. We now can all be unclean. That's not what he was saying. Instead, he was saying all the things out there, all the people out there that you looked at and you said, wait a second, I've been called out to be separate. I cannot live with the Greek. I'm not going to have a life like the Greek. Instead, what he said is, no, I am bringing the Greek out also. And when I cleanse them, they're no longer common or unclean. Oh, hallelujah. So God was not giving license for us to sin any way we wanted. To live any old lifestyle. Instead, what he was saying is, I am now doing a new thing here. And when He filled us all with His Spirit, and He sanctified us, He is bringing us out of a lifestyle. And we are set apart. You're a purposefully picked people that have been set apart. You're a peculiar people. Now, that doesn't mean that you're strange and you're an oddity, although people might look at you and, and think there's some differences. But the differences aren't because you, you got a weird nervous tick. No. It's because you're living a life that's set apart differently. There are some things you will not do. There are places you will not go. You're not going to profane the temple of God. You are the temple of God. You're not going to treat Him like ordinary. See, that was a problem in the Old Testament with the children of Israel. They got themselves in this problem a lot. They didn't deny God. They just put him on the same playing field as the moon, the sun, the trees, whatever God, uh, the fish God. And so they were like, we'll worship these things also. Oh, hear me. I know we've told it to you many times. But look out for, for how much you embrace things in your life, whether it be politics, video games, the news media, family, your relationships, your job, your hobbies. If you find yourself all of a sudden putting it on the same playing field as God, you've now made it a little God. And you're offering it worship that it should not receive. You need to put God up here. And your life isn't common anymore. It's something that is supposed to be purified and clean and holy and dedicated to Him. That's why some of your language gets a little bothering. You're like, wait a second. <laughs> you say a word. And you're like, well, I can't say that word. And all of you think I'm talking about four-letter words today. I am talking about those as well as the mean, unkind, gossiping sort of things that we say about other people. Just because it's true doesn't mean it needs to be said. Doesn't mean it needs to be said. Back here now to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. I want to spend most of my remaining time here in 2 Corinthians. Verses 14 through 18, maybe 2 Corinthians 7 verse 1 as well. But this unequally yoked. When we're talking about the profane, what's some things here that you might look at? Well, unyoked here. This comes from the book of Deuteronomy and, and it was talking about when you put two animals into the, the yoke. 
you got yourself a donkey over here and you got yourself an ox and you, you put a chunk of wood across their necks and you strap them together. Why would you do that? Well, if you had one ox and they were pulling the load and you put two ox together, you'd find out that the amount of weight they could pull didn't double, it multiplied. They, they could do so much more together. But it doesn't work that way if you get the wrong animal in the yoke. Instead, there's an imbalance. So you have your big old ox, and you have your donkey over here. And, and they pull differently. They have a different gant. If I said that word right, they walk differently. They walk differently. They, they, uh, they, it's, it's not the same. They have different... They could, you know, two oxen could have a little bit different strengths, but they can get in pace together with one another. But these are two different creatures, different purposes. And so the Bible tells us, don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. So I would ask you today, who are your friends? Now that doesn't mean that we're not supposed to have friends that don't live for Jesus. But are you yoked up with them? As in you're patterning your life after them. They're influencing you more than you influence them. Are, are you, have you made a bond and a connection where, where you're like, okay, so yeah, the way you view the world, yeah, that's, I, I share that same view. Is it possible for somebody who hasn't embraced Jesus Christ and filled with His Spirit to be able to see humanity in the world the way that Jesus does? No. They don't have the Spirit of God working in them. They may have great values. They may have values that reflect biblical values. But at some point, they're not going to be able to see things the way that Jesus sees them. So they need you in their life to be a light to them. Not somebody who's just like, oh yeah, yeah, whatever it is that you do, that's what I'll do. Who are you yoked up with? Are you an influence? Are you being influenced? What are you doing? Yoked up. But this also applies to marriage. Now, sometimes we, we got married and somebody decides not to live for God anymore and they leave the church. That doesn't mean you divorce them, okay? Sometimes folks weren't living for God and they got married to someone and, and then they came to God and their spouse said, eh, that's not for me. That doesn't mean you divorce them. God's got this. But you do need to watch who you marry. And this applies across a lot of parameters here. I tell, tell the, the kids and the students, hey, who, who, it, it, you need to first know that they're living for Jesus. You need to know that they believe this salvation message. And you need to know that the way you're supposed to live for God, that you're not on opposite ends of the spectrum. That they're like, hey, he filled me with the Spirit. We're good to go. I can do whatever I want. That doesn't work. You know, it also goes broader than that, though. Because, I, you know, I don't want my daughters marrying somebody who isn't going to work a job. That doesn't work. Or, or if, they're, if, you, if they're like, well, let the kids do whatever they want. You're not equally yoked. So you need to, first off, find out, is this somebody that's filled with the Spirit of Jesus Christ living the way He wants them to live? And also, have they got their life together? Because if they don't have some things in order, you're going to have problems. It's going to be difficult. 
He says, but don't, so this yoke, can, you can take it a long ways. But he says, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? What communion hath light with darkness? Oh, come on, church. What are you doing with your time? Who are you hanging out with? Who are the people you look up to in your life? What are you pattering your life after? Where are you giving your most elevated wisdom to? What are you doing? You are the temple of the living God. Don't let the things of this world be the things that you pattern your life after. Pattern them after Jesus Christ. What agreement hath the temple of God with idols? You matter. Your identity matters. Your identity matters. So this, what agreement does the temple of God have with idols? Idolatry and adultery. One is spiritual, one is physical. And when you have turned, as I referenced earlier, and you're given worship to other things, you are committing spiritual adultery. You're cheating on God. And that can be in your movies. That can be, I've referenced hobbies, that can be where you see your language go. What are you putting in front of your eyes? Even this week, I was like, Lord, you know what? I don't, need to, I don't need to see that thing. I was like, you know, I, I know the ratings, if it's in the, the, where, where ratings are at, and I, I didn't go off chasing something else here. God, I, I thought, but you know what? You're, I feel your conviction. Why are you saying, Lucas, I don't want to be that, that spot. So, so where are you going? What are you listening to? What are you doing in your homes? What are you doing on this? More importantly, let's get back to that word profane a little bit more broadly. Are you setting aside time where you've just said it's me and you, Jesus? Or are you so full of just living life that you've cut God out of the picture? We need to dedicate ourselves to Him. Yes, I know we're the temple of the living God, but also set aside time for Him. Now I know you're all here today, but make church a priority. Be in church. Make prayer a priority. Seek God's face. And don't just seek Him for the 15-minute moment, but go ahead and talk to Him during the day. Make Him be in relationship with you. Oh, go ahead. Don't, don't just let it be the second thought on your mind in the accident. Oh, wait, I should call on Jesus. No, let Him be right there. So when you face your moment, you say, Jesus. When you're having problems with that, that meeting, you can say, Jesus, I need your help. And, and no matter your situation, Bring Him to the forefront. Make, give Him a special place in your life. Oh, make Him holy. Be ye holy, for I am holy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So then He says in verse 17, Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. What was Paul reaching into when he brought out this passage? He was reaching into the children of Israel when they came out of Babylon. And you see in the book of Isaiah, they're coming out. And, and the Levites are coming out. And they're going to have church again. And they're going to seek the face of God. And, and they're going to worship. And he was saying, hold on. Be careful what you let mix into your worship from what you came out of. Oh, hallelujah. 
Oh, the children of Israel, when they came out of Egypt, we always tell you, they didn't get Egypt out of them. Oh, when I come to God and begin to worship Him, I want you to know, it's okay to let sin be gone. You don't need to go ahead and try to make God look like the world anymore. But go ahead and embrace living for Jesus. Just worship Him. Love Him. Embrace the lifestyle of Jesus Christ. You don't need your dress to look like the dress of the world. I'm sorry, LeBron James may be a great basketball player, but the way he dresses, the way he talks, and where he goes is not the way that I'm going to dress, not the way I'm going to talk, and it's not the places that I'm going to go. And that's good and okay. And it's right. Why? Because I came out from a mess out there. And I've come to worship God with my life. I'm going to worship Him. Come out from among them. Oh, they were telling the Levites, leave those things behind. Don't let the way the, wor the world worships their gods taint the way you are to worship your God. Come out from among them and be separate. And I'll read 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. He says, Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Church, God said that we'd be His sons and daughters. He picked us out. He called us. And because we have promises, great promises of God, let's pursue them. Let's reach after them. Let's reach after His goodness and leave those things that would tie us down behind. You will never truly be happy and free until you're willing to cut loose from the world. So go ahead, dearly beloved. Let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh. Let all that profane ways of the world get off of us. Let's perfect holiness in the fear of God. You know what that means? It takes work. It takes work. It takes work. You know, back in verse 17, it says, Separate yourselves, saith the Lord. We talk about holiness here. Holiness is a choice. And you, God is the one that makes you holy. But you also have to make a choice. You have to make a choice. God has called you out. He, he picked you on purpose but it's also up to you. If we could stand to our feet. We opened up and we were reading the book of Acts and common and unclean. We talked about how God came for everyone. The exciting thing is, is everybody in this place, God wants to purify you. And He wants to clean you up from the message that occurred during the week. He wants to get you through the things that get on you. And he wants to wash all that away. But God picked you, and you're not an ordinary person. You're not a common person. You've been picked by God. And so let's go ahead, and let's come out, and let's cleanse ourselves, and let's embrace Jesus Christ again today. You don't have to worry about trying to do it on your own. He'll be the strength that you need. If we could close our eyes, lift our faces towards heaven. Jesus, you see everybody in this place. God, you see how life becomes just life. Sometimes the things we do, they're not even really sin, God. It's just that they become sin because we elevate other things to be on the same footing as You. But You called us out of this world and You separate us, God. So today, we're re-consecrating ourselves to You. We want to be holy. 
even as You are holy. We want to be pure even as You are pure. We want to walk the way You want us to walk. And God, help us to grasp that understanding that we're not an ordinary person. That we're not just some common person out there. But that You have made us different. And we're no longer common or unclean. And so we commit our lives to You. We're purposing our life, God, to live the way You want us to live. We're recommitting to be holy even as You are holy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God bless you. Come back in here at 1120. We're going to worship. We're going to have a great church. And, and just clean yourself out before God and repurpose for yourself for Him. God bless you.